you can be a very good surgeon and you can have very good instruments, osteotomes, but one in 100 patients, you can have unwanted broke, uh, breaking lines. One in one patient for you, but if it happens to the patient, for the patient, it's 100% happened. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. We're in the month of March with our special topic being the influences. And it's brought us by Allegan. A big shout out to Allegan for enabling this month. Now, the reason why I've called it the influences or the people that I have invited for the month are that they wear two caps. On the one side, they are hugely influential in the world of rhinoplasty, but also on that side, they're on the social media side of things. They, they kind of set the benchmark. Um, and all the way from Istanbul in Turkey, actually right now in Nice, France, at one of the meetings that is uh, Dr. Goxel. Welcome to an episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast. Thank you, Cameron, for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Actually, we started earlier when I was in Istanbul, then I flew to Nice. So we are completing this broad podcast in Nice, France. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it was also in enjoyable. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. But uh, I know you love traveling and, and, and you've been all over the world. You've got a lot of congresses in the next few weeks. But one of the highlights was having you in South Africa a few years ago. We went on a safari together. Um, oh, it was amazing. It was unforgettable. So I always talk about it with, with, with my friends and I remember. I'm waiting the next one. Uh, so you promised me to visit vineyards? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we so definitely. I know that South African wines are spectacular. So yeah. then I'm waiting my turn again. Okay. No, no, it will, it will come. Tell me a bit about some of the other um, rhinoplasty uh, legends in the world who also enjoy the fine taste of good wine. Yeah. Who, who doesn't? It's kind of hobby for me, actually. I love it. So I read a lot about wine, wine production. So uh, near future, hopefully I will create my own chateau in Turkey. So I call it, I call it already Chateau Portugui. Portuguese means needle holder. So, <laughs> well, I will, I will mix my surgical part with my wine tasting part. So, I don't know the taste yet, but hopefully it will be good. So, this is interesting. Earlier today, I was recording a podcast with Alvain de Souza, and Alvain was telling me about his passion that he loves to listen to music, make food, and drink good wine. And he was thinking of making a cookbook about oh. facial plastic surgery and a cookbook. And I'm thinking he needs to partner with you so you can do the wine part of this cookbook. I think it could be wow. something quite interesting. It, it's a great idea. I will ask him. <laughs> okay. My, another hobby is music, actually. Yeah? I'm passionate about music. So I play electric guitar, jazz, jazz guitar, and, and clarinet. So I know that a lot of rhinoplasty surgeons all around the world. So from Australia, from South Africa, they play some instruments. So it was my plan uh, because I had a travel to Australia. I was the guest speaker in the meeting in Sydney. So I heard that the uh, owner of the meeting is playing drum. Then we decided to make a jam session, but we couldn't do it. So it's still my... Uh, 
goal to make it in some meeting to meet with friends because it's possible now. I am from Turkey, Istanbul. You're from Africa. So from Australia, we can make jam session online. Then we can make some practice and we can play in person in some meetings. It would be great. Well, later in the month, one of the guests is Jay Calvert. And I've actually pre-recorded his podcast already. And he was very close to becoming a rock star, but he decided to become a rhinoplasty surgeon. Now he's a bit of a rock star rhinoplasty surgeon, but he, he loves <laughs> a guitar. So I think you guys can make a wicked band. Yeah, I know. I know his story. We were, we, we were talking with him before earlier. Wow. Okay. So Roxa, let's, let's um, look at a question I have for you. I mean, you, you're a, a very influential uh, rhinoplasty surgeon. You're very involved with an evidence-based research and rhinoplasty group and running preservation meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you want to tell the listeners, where did this all start for you? Okay, uh, I just want to make one correction. Evidence-based rhinoplasty group is something different than ours because our group is International Rhinoplasty Research Group, so IRRS, but that that name is similar. That's why uh, people mix it up, but doesn't matter. I am the member of IRS, so we have the same passion with all the group mem mem members. We try to learn more about nose, rhinoplasty. We try to improve ourselves and share with open heart, open mind, uh, then it, it made sense in my career, actually, because I learned a lot. I taught something. I shared my knowledge. So uh, I like to share, by the way. That's why I, I always uh, operate almost every morning in Istanbul. So I have always guests in my OR because when I'm operating, I'm relaxed. I'm not a, a nervous surgeon, I can say. So I like to draw, I like to explain what I'm doing. When you're teaching, when you're sharing, you also learn because uh, when you're teaching, the ideas are coming e easier. So I think it's the way I learn. I remember when we were doing the live surgery in Durban a few years ago, our feed to where the surgeons were sitting in the building next door watching went down. And then we invited them to come actually to the OR. I can't believe how many surgeons managed to get in there and were craning their necks to see what you were doing. It was a, it was one of my memorable yeah, yeah, moments it, of rhinoplasty surgery. Yeah, it was a very nice, unbelievable memory. And I have the photograph in my iPhone. <laughs> I always see And sometimes I cannot find myself in the group. So I, I want to ask you a question now. Um, the IRRS guys, obviously, very influential for such a kind of a small group of, of uh, surgeons. And I would almost say two of the things that stand out is uh, the influence that it's had around piezo surgery and now also in terms of um, preservation rhinoplasty. So perhaps you want to share a bit of your thoughts around piezo. So actually, step by step, piezo... Uh, the first story about Piezo started in 2014 and we met in Nice, France, Nice, again, the same city where I am now. And we met with Olivia Gerbo, Yves Saban, Milos Kovacevic, Boris Chakir was with us, Rick Davis, Enrico Robotti, and Peter Palhazi. So we had a group 
we were discussing about the new technologies and Olivia brought a Pierce device. It was the first generation. So we made the competition in that small uh, think tank group. I was supporting classical osteotomes that time. So I was telling them that I'm happy with my osteotome because I do a lot of surgeries. So I have good results. Why I have to change it? So I was not thinking to change. Then Barish was doing scraper with my manual one. So he was supporting his scraper device. Then Olivia brought the machine. So we made the competition and it was the lab and we had the specimens. So I had one specimen for the osteotome and others have the one. So I was the winner at the end. I was the fastest one and precisely I did the osteotomy with my classical osteotome. But what happened then I changed because, you know, you can be a very good surgeon and you can have very good instruments, osteotomes, the, class, the classical one, but one in 100 patients, you can have unwanted broke, uh, breaking lines. One in one patient for you, but if it happens to the patient, for the patient, it's 100% happened. So we cannot get that risk for the patients. From patient's point of view, we have to protect them. So if there is a device which we can use easily in rhinoplasty and make it zero uh, risk about the unwanted breaking lines and we can reshape the bony uh, part without damaging the soft tissue, why not? Then I became the supporter of piezo because it was really logical. So it is a little bit slower than the classical instruments, but who cares? I mean, the five minutes, maybe five minutes, may, maybe less Then it works wonderful. That's why uh, I still use piezo for my old cases. It's my standard. And I think because of the piezo, I switched to preservation. If there would be no piezo, because if I would not design my osteotomies precise, precisely, maybe I would not switch to preservation because in preservation rhinoplasty, you have to make your osteotomies very low on the fascial groove and you have to make precisely sagittally, not the horizontally. So it's a little bit advanced talk, but anyway, Piezo made sense for me and it gave me power to switch preservation. Of course, if someone, if someone taught us how to do it easier way, that's why uh, we were able to do it. And I highly recommend to make some uh, anatomic lab dissections for all rhinoplasty surgeons before doing in the live surgery. But uh, anyway, we were the pioneer. I did open approach, first open approach, preservation rhinoplasty, because everybody were thinking that it's just for close approach. So I proved that I can preserve the ligaments. I can preserve a lot of uh, structure when I'm doing preservation in open approach. But because of, again, because of this preservation, now I switch to close approach again. So 50% closed, 50% open, because I don't need to do middle wall reconstruction. And if I'm not doing middle wall reconstruction, why I have to open all the nose? So almost half of the cases, I don't dissect the skin on the dorsum. So it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Wow. That's great. And I mean, we can see those results that, that um, I mean, Personally, I'm not there in Istanbul to see what's happening, which are going to happen in a few weeks' time. But um, yeah, what what we see is in in our talks and on social media and stuff is is amazing. So, 
it's interesting to say that half of it is preservation, half of it's structural. That's because this is the thing that I, I, I sometimes I'm struggling with is I think my own kind of almost reluctance with preservation is I've seen quite a lot of guys using it as a marketing tool. Yeah, sure. If something is new and less traumatic, so they use it as a marketing tool, of course. But it's not the bad thing, actually. Uh, I mean, patients has to, they have to know what is new in rhinoplasty. Of course, surgeon decides if it fits with that nose and which technique is better. And it depends on the surgeon's experience and it depends on the patient's nose. But anyway, I think it's not bad that they're advertising. Um, tell me, how do you find time to balance all the traveling and the lectures and the work and stuff in your life? You are asking tough questions, Cameron. <laughs> so it's <laughs> and now I will I will I will say you that I find time for my family life. Same time, then my family will listen this podcast and <laughs> It will make problem in my private life because it's not easy. Seriously, I travel a lot and I work a lot because between that travels, I'm operating in Istanbul and I, I'm consulting with, with my patients. Of course, uh, if you put a lot of weight in your job and you're taking that time from your private life, of course, I cannot find a lot. But uh, I do a small trick. I don't work every day in when I'm in Istanbul. So I separate my days. Weekends, they're my family time. So Saturday and Sunday. And week time, I operate every day, but I don't make consultation every day. So after the operation, some days I'm free. So afternoon is mine. I have boat. I'm sometimes sailing because we have very nice uh, islands around Istanbul. So you, it, there is possibility to escape from the city. So if you want so much, you're finding time for everything. That's cool. That's a, that's a very inspiring thing to have time off like that. Okay. Another difficult question for you. What have been some of the difficult times in your career in the last 30 years or whatever it's been of doing rhinoplasty? And how did you overcome oh. that? Because I want to get to this thing of resilience because it's easy to be a success quickly, but how do you continue succeeding in your life? It's uh, more like a philosophical question. <laughs> yeah, it is so philosophical question, but I will not answer philosophically. I will answer it politically. <laughs> so uh, you asked the hardest time. Okay, in about my career. I think... The hardest time is where I started with, because the, when, once you start, everything goes by itself. I mean, first, first movement is the most important move, as I think, because uh, I remember my first rhinoplasty. I was thinking that I would struggle a lot, but you know, it took it was the fastest rhinoplasty in my life. So it took just 25 minutes. Wow. Yes, because it was just a reduction surgery. They taught me that that way, but it was 
the same time, hard surgery in my life because it was my first rhinoplasty and I didn't know exactly what to do. They were helping me. My teachers were helping me. Result was quite good and patient was really happy. And I can say that it was the tough one, but I remember in my career, the worst moment in my career was operating my own daughter. Yes, it was the hardest operation in my life. I couldn't sleep one night earlier. You cannot believe how I was in stress. After all this career, after all these years, I was like a child. And I remember my first surgery that time. So I can say two moments, hardest moments. First one was the first surgery. It took very short time. The second one was my own daughter's surgery. And it took about three hours. <laughs> sure. You know, you know the story. Why, why time is not getting shorter? Uh, by the time you learn a lot, you see a lot of deformities. If you don't know a lot, you don't see the deformities. Once you improve your knowledge, once you get experienced surgeon, you see a lot of details. And when you see that details, you cannot escape. You have to fix all that details. Then it takes more time. In my daughter's surgery, it was the hardest decision in my life to operate my own daughter or not, because I have a lot of good rhinoplasty surgeons around me. And I could ask one of them. And I asked myself if there would be complication. It can happen in my hand or in my friend's hand. If there would be complication after the surgery, how I would talk with my friend and how, how I would ask them to make revision, it would be really hard. And if I would do the re revision by myself, why I'm not doing the first surgery in this case? Then I decided to do it by myself. And I told my daughter, there can be complication and I would fix it. Anyway, prepare yourself. Then for me, it was the decision. I think I did a uh, good, good job. She is happy. I don't see her nose. It's the main. When I go home, I don't remember that I operated her. So it, it, it looks natural. And this is the result which I want. That's great. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> that's lovely. Okay. So uh, you've had a busy day traveling all the way from Istanbul to Nice and after this it's to Dallas and then it's to Bergamo and then it's to Stuttgart. Yeah. yeah. Leave us with the listeners of like, maybe like a funny story that's, that, that happened to you. I know, I mean, that happens every day. You're always smiling on Instagram. You, you're living a nice life, you know, but, but what are some of the, maybe you can think of a, a story that happened to you with a patient or something that was quite amusing. It's also a hard question. I have to prepare myself before Cameron. Break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just call it a break then. Guys from all around the world, uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, Elegan, thank you so much for enabling uh, us to be able to interview these wonderful human beings. Guys, you just love rhinoplasty, love life, and inspire us to become better surgeons. So enjoy the course in Nice. Uh, it's a long way away from South Africa. I'm very sorry I'm not there. Please send fond regards to everybody over there, especially to Yves Saban. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for having me in this podcast. So I'm really happy to see you also. 
So hope to see you soon in Istanbul, by the way. Bye-bye.